Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. afternoon and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. Nary a cloud in the sky, that beautiful blue that we get up here in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm coming to you live from beautiful downtown Eugene, Oregon, because I'm here in my office. Again, coming straight out of a housing authority uh, meeting here at Housing and Community Services of Lane County that uh, as a member of the Board of Commissioners. I'm also on the board of the Housing uh, Authority uh, under HUD rules here that we do the Section 8 housing and other public housing. Uh, Also, as a board on the Board of Commissioners, we also are the Board of Health. So multiple roles uh, as a a county commissioner under uh, federal law and state law. as a as a county commissioner you're not just a on the board of county commissioners you also sign up to be part of the board of health and you also sign up to be part of the 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 housing board and then you also end up on other boards as the mission assignments get passed out like i also sit on the local air pollution authority board and uh serve on a bunch of committees up in, in Salem with the Association of Oregon Counties. So it's a fun time. I spend a lot of time in meetings and uh, had a meeting that was that just finished up maybe five minutes before the start of the Bose Nose show here. So kind of running from one thing to the next. And I'm having to operate a little bit differently because for some reason Skype stopped working on my laptop. So I'm I'm coming to you live via my phone which is one of the ways you can get in on the show today because it is a free-for-all day where you get to control the topic and your telephone call can steer us in whatever direction you want to go. You just have to call us at 646-721-9887 and just press 1 and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the conversation and we'll get you on as quick as we can. In fact, if you call right now, there's no one waiting. We'll get you on right away. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press 1 because that lets us know that you're not just dialing in to listen because people do also listen on their phone when they can't get to a computer. Like we've got a couple uh, long-haul truck drivers that listen to our show by telephone, so um, by their cell phone. So, you know, technology is pretty amazing nowadays. You can also get a hold of us uh, by email at talk at krbnradio.net. And you can do that even between shows. If there's a topic you want me to cover in a future show or a guest you'd like me to have on. Uh, but this week we don't have a guest. So it's your chance without a guest to call in and ask me about anything. And I was kind of thinking today we might want to talk a little bit about something the board did two weeks ago because last week's show I had to do a pre-recorded show because I was in a a meeting that took place in Portland uh, on, and this is related to being on the Board of Health, uh, the public health modernization effort that's going on in Oregon right now as the state tries to uh, make sure that every county that's charged with uh, 
administrating uh, public health program at the county level is actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, which kind of doesn't really apply to Lane County because we're really doing everything we're supposed to be doing and, and then some because we're a fairly um, robust county in that department. But there are some smaller counties that really struggle with um, meeting the mandates of, of, of uh, doing public health work things like communicable disease tracking and uh, reporting and control of outbreaks. Um, that can be a tough thing for a county that's you know, only got a, you know, 10,000 population and their county government's only you know, in the tens, not in the, uh, the 1,400 employee range that Lane County has. So um, that, that healthcare modernization program that they're going through is all about trying to make sure uh, that public health is applied equally across the entire state and that we're doing a good job of, of uh, providing for public health. Um, you know, one of those things that, that government uh, can do that really no one else can really do for you. Um, you know, that, that there's no one else that's going to track uh, measles and mumps and uh, whooping cough, sexually uh, transmitted diseases or meningitis outbreaks at colleges, that's not going to happen um, so much in the private sector as it's got to really be a, a government-provided service where that gets ordered, tracked, and you know, we're the ones that make decisions around, um, you know, if we're going to quarantine folks, if we got to try and get out with uh, some preemptive vaccination programs, uh, try and educate people on how to avoid getting, getting uh contracting whatever disease is running around. So it's a pretty important thing we do. Uh, and that's kind of why I had to t um, telephone town hall last week was that I was occupied on a work group that I was appointed to um, through the Oregon Health Authority, uh, where I'm participating with a bunch of other um, public health professionals. And I'm representing basically a large, larger counties in that, in that work group. But today, I thought we might want to talk about what we did two weeks ago in the board because I haven't had a show since then. And we passed something um, that was a board order relating to foreign citizenship, which doesn't really quite say what we were doing. It kind of says, you know, that we did something relating to foreign citizenship. But what it was really dealing with was a lot of folks' concerns over um, what is our role as a county when it comes to federal immigration law and dealing with folks that are interacting with the county? You know, what, what is our role? And, and, and trying to define that for our county employees, because what we passed was a board order that amended lane manual. And there's various levels of government in Lane County. We have our county charter, which is basically our county's constitution. And the only way to change our charter is to go through a public vote of the entire population of Lane County, much like you would amend the constitution. Uh, it's much more difficult to do. And the charter really sets about um, the basics of county government our organizational structure and some of some of our um, you know what our powers are relative to being a home rule county and then below the charter is our county code and our county code basically is outward looking and applies to all the citizens of lane county so a, a, the code gets amended by county ordinance the board of commissioners uh, has control of it's our it's basically our statutes for the county and we have to do that through ordinance, which means we have to have a public reading of that ordinance. And then two weeks later, we have to have a public hearing and then a second vote to adopt an ordinance. And then there's it can't take effect for um, 30 days to give a chance for the people to collect signatures and refer it to the ballot if it's a controversial ordinance. So that code is basically things like um, you know, dog licensing or building permits and, and various other things that apply uh, noise ordinances. 
uh, that apply to the citizens and not necessarily to our employees. And then we have something called lane manuals, which is rules really for our employees uh, and, and kind of how the county is structured. And we can amend lane manual by board order. And we don't have to have public hearing to do that. Um, we just have to uh, post notice we're going to do it. It goes up on our website the week before we're actually going to do that. And then we can take an up or down vote that following uh, Tuesday, basically. And that's you know the, the internal looking document. Basically, those are all the rules for uh, how we're going to execute a lot of what's in lane code and uh, and sets up some rules for employees. And even beyond that, then there's one more level of government, which is the Administrative Procedures Manual, which is really um, our county executive, basically, uh, our county administrator. That's his job to keep that Administrative Procedures Manual. And he, he actually uh, has the power to amend that without uh, consultation with the board. Of course, the board hires and fires the county administrator, so if he's doing things with the administrative procedures manual, we'd probably um, have something to say about that if it's something we don't like. But that's really about um, the day-to-day -day operations of the county and some employee rules, et cetera. Um, it can be something as simple as you know how to you know what expenses you're allowed to to charge and what you're not. You know, as an employee. Uh, details we probably don't get into at the lane manual level. So what the, the, the Board of Commissioners did a couple weeks ago is we passed an ordinance that amends the lane manual. So it was an ordinance relating to immigration that, that looks inwardly towards what our employees can do and can't, can or can't do. And um, it wasn't a uh, an ordinance that looks outwardly that was laying code or charter amendment that steers the entire organization of Lane County that goes to a public vote. It was basically a piece of legislation that amends our internal rules in, in the, the Lane Manual. And what we basically did was restate um, what were required under state law. And there is some um, Oregon um, laws relative to um, uh, the uh, enforcement of immigration that have been on the books actually for about 30 years. Um, some statutes that were passed back in the 80s basically say we can't use state and local resources to um, go out and investigate someone that has, has not been in trouble with the law, their citizenship status. Um, and we kind of repeated that because that's, you know, what state law says. But at the same time, we were very careful to make sure that law enforcement, once they have somebody in custody in a criminal case, they're allowed to, in fact, they're almost required to at, communicate to the federal authorities that they have somebody in custody so the federal authorities have a chance to check immigration status and communicate back and forth with law enforcement. And that's actually in the federal U.S. code, um, that requirement for law enforcement agencies, local law enforcement agencies to communicate with the federal government is actually part of U.S. code. So the state law can't actually violate that piece of federal law. And, and actually that piece of state law about not use, utilizing local funds and state funds doesn't violate that piece of federal code. And in fact, it's you know, been tested in court. And in fact, if you go back and read um, the January 25th um, executive order from the Trump administration about sanctuary jurisdictions, it specifically references that piece of um, U.S. code, uh, and I believe that's uh, Section 8 um, uh, USC uh, 1337. I, I, I'd have to look it up to be exactly accurate on that number, but um, it's really um, basically says you have to communicate 
once you've got somebody in your in custody, you have to communicate with federal government. Um, it doesn't say we have to hold people with the federal government past their release date if the federal government, unless the federal government gives us a warrant from a federal magistrate requesting us to hold somebody. So if we have an order from a judge, a federal judge saying, hold this person, we are required to hold them. But if there's no order from a judge, if we just have an administrative request from the federal government um, to hold somebody, that, that doesn't hold up in court. In fact, there's been court cases where local jurisdictions have held people on, an, on a request from immigration um, folks that wasn't a judge's order and they've actually been found to have violated that person's rights um, because it wasn't due process. Um, so it's a really interesting, you know, place we went with this order. We kind of basically reiterated some state law, uh, also made sure we weren't violating federal law. And we did this in a really uh, deliberative process. You know, when we, People first got upset about this shortly after the Trump administration, you know, after he won the election and they were starting to form the, the cabinet. People were coming to us back in December wanting us to pass some kind of sanctuary uh, designation for the county. And we knew that that was going to be problematic if we did. Um, and we also knew that there's you know, laws we have to adhere to because we are a subdivision of the state, so we have to adhere to state statute. Um, and there's federal laws that if we, we break, we can get in trouble in federal court um, and get sued in federal court. So one of the things we want to do is be deliberate about this. And we've done this with a lot of controversial issues. We referred it to a citizen's advisory committee. Fortunately, the citizen's advisory committee we referred it to was brand new and just being formed at the time this controversy came up. So it took them a little while to kind of get their feet on the ground and start working on it. But they did, and they they set up a task group, a subgroup of the Citizens Advisory Committee that included folks that were, um, you know, that were really wanting to go to the sanctuary route and included people that didn't want to do anything. Yeah, one of the members of the, the task group was the current chair of the Lane County Republican Party. It was also, also on the task group was the sheriff and the DA, our elected law enforcement uh, officials that have to deal with this. Ultimately, that task group came to consensus on a, on a uh, board order and resolution and passed it on to the advisory committee who voted unanimously in support of it and passed it on to the board for adoption. And that's a process we've used a couple other times. Uh, when we got, you know, ages ago, a previous board had banned the use of herbicides in controlling uh, vegetation on a roadside. And we had a bunch of people come to us, uh, a bunch of folks in the ag community concerned about invasive species that were using our road right-of-ways to uh, get to their farms and causing them economic damage and wanting us to use herbicides again. Obviously a very controversial issue. And we formed a citizen's task group to study that. They came to consensus on a policy um, and that involved folks from the ag community and folks from beyond toxics, which is against any herbicides basically. And it came up with a uh, uh, policy that that basically was, you know, recognizing the fact that you can't control some invasive species with mechanical and uh, other methods. That you have, you know, some of the ways to control them. The only real way to control them is through use of some limited use of chemicals. And they 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 set up a limited policy. Uh, the board adopted it. Uh, in fact, we just finished putting the last piece in place just this week when we adopted the uh, approved uh, list of herbicides that, that can be used by our roads department that were recommended to us by another citizens committee, our public health advisory committee, that has medical folks uh, involved in it to actually look at the herbicide relative to human and environmental health um, to come up with that recommended list. So. That's kind of the way Lane County has operated with some of these controversial issues is we'll, we'll actually ask citizens to, to, to 
and we'll bring citizens together from differing sides and see if we can come up with something that everybody can agree to. And this foreign citizens board order we passed that basically reiterates state law and federal law was something that the sheriff supported, the chair of the Lane Republican Party could support, and the folks that are, you know, from Central Latino Americano and, and other immigration uh, supporters, um, you know, were, were able to support. You know, and some of the things folks uh, may not understand that it, that it does and does not do, uh, what it does not do is prevent our law enforcement agencies from communicating with the federal agencies once they have somebody in custody. Uh, so if we have somebody that's actually committed a crime, we can then determine whether they're in this country illegally and work with the federal uh, government on those folks. What it does prevent is, you know, our local government employees that are doing work in local government funded by local dollars, state and local dollars, are not supposed to go outside their job description and try and determine somebody's immigration status. They're just supposed to do their job with whoever they're dealing with. And hopefully what that'll do is make folks feel comfortable in dealing with county employees, no matter what their status is. And folks, some folks might get upset about that, but there is some real important things about that. I was talking earlier about how we are the public health agency or the state of Oregon in Lane County. So we're charged with controlling these communicable diseases and, and dangerous disease outbreaks, foodborne disease outbreaks, and various other things that are public health related. If people are afraid to interact with county employees, do you think we're going to get reports of communicable diseases from folks that have you know, uncertain immigration status or illegal immigration status. And who do you think is most likely to bring into our community a communicable disease that's not currently present? So if these people, this population is out there and unwilling to talk to county employees that are not law enforcement because they, their fear for the fact that, you know, they'll get reported and deported, um, we may not catch a communicable disease outbreak until it gets too far. And believe me, there, there's some, you know, particularly in Lane County where we have a very low level of immunization uh, for, you know, for lots of reasons. There's folks um, that don't believe in immunizations in this county. Um, we're susceptible to some very serious communicable disease outbreaks. And some of them are very, very serious, and people have no idea what it would be like if we had a serious uh, disease outbreak. This is about protecting public health and having those people not be afraid to report uh, or go to a medical professional uh, in a county clinic uh, to see them about something that, that, that's going on and, and ultimately you know, control these things before any early stages. Uh, and, and catch that. There are other issues, um, you know, victims of crime uh, not being willing to report, you know, because one of the things law enforcement agencies, yes, once they arrest somebody that's a criminal, they're allowed to, to look into their immigration status. But we want folks to be able to feel comfortable coming to law enforcement or some of our um, county agencies that deal with uh, domestic violence child abuse, elder abuse, and report those things because that's really important that we deal with that abuse situation and, and you know, help folks from those situations, no matter what their, their uh, immigration status is. And sometimes the report they would be giving on that is not about themselves, but about somebody that has legal citizenship status, um, citizenship status. You know, think about who some of the jobs that are typically occupied by um, folks with with um, that are the illegal immigrants. They're quite often your um, 
housekeeper or or you're um, doing maid service and all that, how often might they be the person that sees abuse of a child or sees an elder being abused in a household that they're providing that housekeeping service for? Uh, and that person being abused could very well be a citizen of the U.S. and the person doing the abusing could be a citizen of the U.S. But without that person feeling comfortable to report that, we're not going to be able to stop that. So really, there's a whole public safety aspect about people being too afraid to be in contact with local government. So that's one of the reasons I felt um, it was important to reiterate some of those things that we will and won't do as a county when it relates to folks with, um, you know, their immigration status, um, because it isn't. There are things we do as a county that it's important that even if you're illegal, we want you to talk to us and, and, and interact with us um, and not feel feel that if you do, we're going to turn you in. And, uh, you know, that's really uh, what that motion was all about was kind of just reiterating state law, reiterating where we stand, you know, that assurances that we're going to comply with federal law. And one of the things it also did was it assures our employees that even as individual citizens in their non-employee time, they still have their First Amendment rights that they can go and if they have suspected somebody uh, of being in country illegally and they choose on their own time to report that person to immigration, that's not something we can control. They still have a right to they still have a right to do that. So um, even you know. That there is that ability. It's just that we don't want them, while they're being paid with with local funds, to actually be actively looking up somebody's immigration status. That's not what they're currently being paid to do. It's really a federal obligation. And what's interesting is even our our law enforcement folks, they're not um, sworn to enforce federal law. They're sworn to enforce state and local law. If you, um, you know, and that's what they're legally um, allowed to do. You know, the FBI enforces federal law. Um, you know, if if you get in trouble for, um, you know, internet child porn, the agency that arrests you at rescue is the Federal Bureau of Investigation, not Lane County Sheriff's Department, because that's a federal law. Um, so it's kind of also about, you know, clearly defining the separation of powers and not having us do something for the federal government where they're not supplying us the funding to do it, you know, and, and, and forcing an unfunded mandate down on us. Similar to um, when the state passed the expanded gun background check, checks bill and they wanted uh, local law enforcement to um, enforce that. They didn't pass any money with it, and Lane County at that time took a stance that we weren't going to do any additional enforcement relative to those expanded background checks unless the state provided us funding. And uh, yeah, so it's you can't you got to be consistent about unfunded mandates also. So if you want to have talk about you know immigration, or if you want to talk about public health. Um, or if you want to talk about herbicides and roadside management, or we want to talk about whatever you want to talk about, give us a call here at the Bo's Nose Show at 646-721-9887, and just press 1. That lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that number is 646-721-9887, and press 1 so that we can get you in on the show. Um, Really, uh, it's uh, your show today. This is a free-for-all show, so I'll answer, you know, whatever questions you have. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. You know, if you want to ask me about my standard poodles, we can talk poodles. If you want to talk to me about uh, the bill that the legislature passed that's going to require insurers in this state full cost of abortions, we can talk about that. Uh, if you want to talk about... Um, you know, the latest Russian rumors with Donald Trump, we can talk about that. Uh, you know, so 
or we can even talk about how the Clinton campaign, you know, worked with the Ukrainian government to try and dig up dirt on on Donald Trump. Uh, you know, we, we can talk about any uh, foreign collusion conspiracy theories that you wish to talk about. Uh, that's why it's a free for all day. It's your show, so give us a call again, 646-721-987. Just press one if you want to get in on the show. Uh, if not, I'll just keep rambling on about various other items uh, that have been coming to and from the board uh, recently. I got a chance, you know, in that whole monologue about our um, foreign citizenship board order to mention our um, roadside vegetation management program. And I have to say, I'm, I'm kind of proud about that because it was something that uh, when I came in as a commissioner was something that everyone said we couldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. If you get involved with it, it you know, it's, it's, it's the tar baby of issues in Lane County. Uh, there's too much, you know, heavy feelings on both sides about about the use of herbicides. But we managed um, through a really great process, and I have to give my hats off to Orrin Schumacher, who's our current um, road maintenance manager, who actually ran that task force and got them to come to consensus and, and agreement on a policy. Uh, with very diverse opinions. Uh, we had somebody on that board from Beyond Toxics. We had somebody from two people from the Farm Bureau. We had somebody from the Alternatives to Pesticides um, uh, nonprofit here locally, so another anti-pesticide group. So, you know, it was um, – we had medical professionals on that group. We had environmental scientists that were from the U of O. Um, so, really wide, very group, and, and they got to a point where they could, you know, understand the issues the farmers and the foresters were having with invasive species, and even what invasive species are doing to push out native populations that folks that are on the environmental side are trying to protect. And, um, you know, getting to understand that even the, the watershed councils use herbicides and some of their invasive species control to protect native populations in some of their watershed enhancement projects kind of got folks to really understand that it's it's a tool but like any tool it can be used wrong but if you use it correctly and use it in a limited way um, herbicides can be utilized to control some of these noxious invasive species uh, that really are causing problems. Um, and ag is a big business in Oregon. It's a big business in Lane County, and everybody wants us to grow our food locally. And if we are having all these exotic and, you know, Japanese knotweed and uh, various uh, species and that you can't control by mowing, um, you know, these, these um a lot of these species will actually seed at mower height if you mow them. <laughs> and the next time you go along, you're actually spreading them with the mower. Um, it, it's it's just one of those things where it, sometimes you just have to, to resort to um, controlling some of these populations with chemicals. Uh, limited chemicals and try and do it the right time of year so you don't end up getting a lot of runoff into the water waterways. Uh, it's all about using them correctly. And we went from, you know, where there were uh, you know, several hundred people signed petitions back in 2012 wanting us to bring herbicides back into our portfolio. That was mostly farmers and ranchers and foresters that signed those petitions to where we formed that task force. And we're finally now uh, going to have pilot programs this year starting to utilize some herbicides out there to control specific populations of invasive species. And, uh, you know, it's something that hopefully um, will lead to, you know, better uh, roadside management and a, a healthy ag and forest community here in Lane County where we can grow our own food locally and and reap the benefits of a, of a really growing food um, industry here. You know, when we think about you know, everything from, um, you know, Yogi Teas to uh, Ninkasi Brewing to Cosmo Corn to, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of, 
local food, uh, Turtle Mountain, and and you know we've got a growing food sector and, and, and food economy going to Lane County. It depends on our local agriculture as you know to feed into that. Um, we need to protect our agriculture from some of these invasive species, and that that was something we just adopted yesterday. Was that list of, of herbicides and uh, you know, it's something that, you know, I'm kind of proud of the way we handled that as a county and that we, you know, look to our citizens and an advisory committee to help steer us in our policy we ultimately adopted as a board. We did that with our large events task force and how we use our parks, uh, which parks should be holding large events, what kind of events should we hold at our parks, what are some of the criteria to holding a large event. And we went through that that task force and came up with some recommendations the boards adopted. And you know, since then we haven't had the issue like we had out at, at Mount Pisgah when we had an event out there um, caused such complaints in the community. Uh, now we have an understanding with the community as to what events are appropriate events for our parks and which parks are appropriate for holding large events. So hopefully we won't see those conflicts between what we do with our parks and and the neighbors of our parks uh, in the future, and and conflicts between events we hold at the park and you know the values that regular park users have of, that use those parks, um, some of the peace and quiet that goes with that, or the environmental aspects of some of our parks. So um, you know that's something we just you know, a value that we've adopted here in Lane County is how important it is to uh, listen to citizens and get citizen input. Um, you know, we saw it when we uh, were looking at trying to uh, save money in our solid waste uh, system where we got a consultant to look at it. They came in with some recommendations. We um, went out and held public meetings about those recommendations and actually highly change what the consultant recommended and um, instead of closing down a bunch of rural transfer stations we left them open but raised the fees because that's what the citizens told us they wanted they, they it was more important for them to have the convenience of those transfer stations that they were willing to pay a little bit extra cost for uh, than to close them down to save the money and have to drive long distances to uh, get rid of their their solid waste um, and that was all based on citizen input that we made that change. So it's, it's you know, important that we hear from you all. And that's one of the reasons I do this radio show uh, here on KRBN Internet Radio is so that you can, you know, interact with me and tell me some of the, your concerns and some of the things you'd like to see the county do. And you can do that by calling us at 646-721-9887. And just press one, and that you know gets you in on the conversation, and uh, we'll get you on the line and and talk about what you want to talk about instead of what Jay wants to ramble on about. So uh, again, that's six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, and that gets you into the Bose Nose Show. Here we're coming to you live from downtown Eugene on KRBN Internet Radio. And you can also email us at talk at krbnradio.net. And you can even get to us on Facebook. Uh, you know, you can get to, if you put in uh, KRBN Internet Radio on Facebook, you'll find our page. Or you can get to me directly uh, on my Facebook pages. Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, uh, is my county commissioner page. Or just Jay Bozovich. I'm, you know, one of a few Bozoviches on, on Facebook, uh, B-O-Z-I-E-V-I-C-H. Um, and and uh, you can find me pretty well on Facebook. Uh, if you want to see my poodle pictures and see my more of my personal side, you can friend me uh, personally. If you just want to see the county stuff, like my county uh, commissioner's Facebook page, and that's where I post uh, various items about the county and a uh, place where I'll put updates out. Uh, last year, uh, when there was a, a um, fire out there off of um, 
high pass road, the high pass road fire. I was posting alerts on that fire there. If there's, you know, during the ice storm last winter, I was posting uh, information from the various electric utilities about outages and um, estimated uh, restoration times um, on 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 my Facebook page. So as I get information that county commissioners get that maybe the general public doesn't get, I'll put it out on that that county commissioner page. I'll also put links to various um, board actions and events that are coming up there. And uh, it's also a place where you can message me directly and ask me about county stuff. So uh, lots of ways to get a hold of me uh, besides calling into this radio show at 646-721-9887 and just simply press one. And uh, you know, that offers you the opportunity to control the topic here on the those No Show. Um, so as we kind of run through some of the topics that we had, I kind of was half expecting somebody to call about immigration because it certainly seemed to generate a lot of conversation on Facebook. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, if maybe that's just purely how Facebook works and the internet where people can kind of, uh, make a quick comment and go away, uh, so to speak. And, and, um, uh, you know, most, at least on Facebook, they're not quite so anonymous when they comment. But, um, you know, here on here on the Bose Nose Show, we'll just give your first name. So we're not going to identify you too much if you want to call in and talk about uh, immigration. Um, but uh, want to have a conversation, though, and, and, and understand what your concerns might be and, and um you know, if you thought we did the right thing by adopting that board order, did we do the wrong thing? Did we not go far enough? Um, give us a call here at the Bose Nose Show, 646-721-9887 and press 1. But uh, if we don't want to talk about that too much, um, you know, we can get into some other stuff here. Um, and and uh, talk about, well, a couple of things, you know, a couple of things I could throw in there, Jay, is, uh, like, you yeah. know, there's a couple of things going on in, in Oregon, and one of them being the, uh, the tax on bicycles over $200. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, that, that, you know, to me was, um, you know, the transportation package had something in it that everybody could um, hate, you know, which is the, the kind of the sign of a compromise package. And, uh, you know the the cycling community and uh the pro pro uh bike ped folks really didn't like the bicycle tax but it was one of those things that was put in there to kind of say to the folks that were you know paying all the gas taxes to build bike paths and sidewalks um you know we're going to make them carry some of the weight here and uh it was part of how they got the yes on increasing gas taxes was to have some some uh, some dere deriving of funding for bicycle facilities that came directly from the bicycling community. Yes, I know because I'm a cyclist. I pay gas taxes. I register my car and all that stuff. But there needs you know that direct tie uh, is always nice to have. Um, you know where where and that those taxes that are collected on those bikes are going directly into a funding source that purely does cycling and pedestrian facilities. It's not going to be spent on, on the, on the between the curbs roadway, if you know what I mean. So, um, I, I, I kind of supported that because I thought it was, you know, part of the package. I know that some people don't like it and it does kind of smack of a sales tax, which in Oregon is antithesis to a lot of things. Although I'll probably make a lot of people mad here when I state that I actually like sales taxes better than almost any kind of tax that you can have because um, people can control how much tax they pay by how much they consume <laughs> to a certain degree. And, and it's a visible tax, you know, where people know what they're paying in tax. Well, on that same note, uh like a federal sales tax, Jesse Ventura commented one time that he'd rather see a repeal of the federal tax and have a federal sales tax. And his reasoning is that under the current tax system, 
the government gets your money before you do. Under a sales tax system, the government is more directly involved in the health of the economy. Yeah. Well, the other part of that is um, the income tax tends to become something that everybody tinkers with and generates a lot of money for K Street, uh, changing a little law here or a little law there, you know, a deduction change here, uh, depreciation schedule change there, and it makes millions for some big corporation who's willing to pay, you know, a couple million into a K Street firm to try and get some little sentence changed in, in a bit, you know, as a right, totally unrelated. Um, yeah, too easy to have um, folks mess with things that way. It's really one of those things that um, you really just income tax leads to that. And income tax really, um, you know, it, it if you want to tax something or suppress something, you tax it. You know, so if you want to suppress people wanting to earn money, you're, you're taxing it in income tax. Um, you know, the, a sales tax, which is a consumption tax, a visible consumption tax. One thing I don't like is this whole idea of this business um, sales tax they're trying to pass because you wouldn't see it as a consumer. It would just be buried in the price of a product, um, which is what corporate taxes are, too. They're buried in the prices of your products. Um, I like taxes people know they're paying. And at least the you know, personal income taxes, people know you're paying it when you file every year. But one of the things about withholding, you know, which is what I would try and get rid of, I'd get rid of withholding, if anything, and make people have to write a check once a month maybe um, for their for their income tax withholding, where they actually physically have to write the check, you know. Because, um, yeah, That'll wait. you hear people. Yeah, that would wake people up if they had to write a check every month for their federal withholding. Um, but, you know, sales tax, people you know, see it at the end of the receipt. And um, really, uh, you know, makes it so that uh, you can't, um, you know, not know that you're paying that tax. So, you know, that's kind of where, you know, I know people in Oregon don't like the sales tax, um, it, it, but you know, and I agree with them in one sense. If we're going to have a sales tax, let's go the whole way and eliminate the state income tax uh, and, and replace it with a sales tax. Uh, and folks that think it's regressive, there's a way to get around that. Um, you can do uh, a, what they call a rebate program. Some people call it a prebate, where you send every household in Oregon a check maybe once a quarter that is supposed to equal the what sales tax you'd pay on a um, low-income household, you know, whatever the basic, you know, income would be, you know, whatever the federal poverty level is, you figure out how much you spend on your necessities and the sales tax that would be on that, and you give a, a rebate check, you know, every quarter or even do it as a prebate check at the beginning of the quarter um, to make up for that what you would spend at the poverty level on, on sales tax. And then whatever you spend above that, you know, as you earn more and more, then there's no real discouraging for, for people to try and work their way out of poverty either. The way the current um, earned income tax credit is, is, you know, you start earning too much money, you lose your earned, in, you know, that your free money coming back to you kind of discourages you from, from uh, working your way out of poverty. So there's a lot of good things about a sales tax. So the bike tax doesn't bother me too much. Um, getting back to that whole transportation package, probably the one thing that bothered me the most in it was the income tax on businesses um, for uh, mass transit that was included in the package. But again, that's kind of that's the piece I hate <laughs> in the package that kind of makes it a compromise. Well, in a sense, we're already paying, like the LTD tax and other taxes. And that's also part of the reason why, uh, as a lifelong Oregonian, uh, nine times they asked for a sales tax and nine times we said no. And number one reason, to be honest, is I don't trust Salem. 
Yep. Yeah, if, if they're ever going to get a yes on a sales tax, it's got to be as a constitutional amendment that prohibits a, an income tax where they have to make a switch over within it. Like, you know, in two years, there will not be an income tax and it will be illegal to have one without a constitutional amendment. Yeah, I, I and that's the way that you could get to a sales tax in Oregon. And, and you know, if we ever did eliminate the state income taxes, including corporate income taxes, we would have a boom. We'd have a state that would boom like you wouldn't believe. One of the reasons oh, why um, Washington State has a tendency to have a lot, you know, more of a growing economy than Oregon so, is, is that difference between their taxation system. And as you, as you oh, look I across think- the country, states that don't have income taxes do right well and, that, and that's the thing that Oregon is not the cheap place to live and it seems like every time we turn around they're always screaming for more money we never have enough money we never have enough money for schools you know and then on the other side of the coin we see them spending money frivolously on non-essential stuff and and then again still saying well we need to raise taxes because we just don't have enough money to to do whatever else we want to do. Yeah. And there's yeah. just and no point yeah. where... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, you know, we've discussed my frustration with the state government and how they don't control their expenses and they're always trying to raise revenue. And it just seems like there's this... Um, the way state government set up is so different from county government where I actually get to... to kind of control expenses, but also pass the budget. The legislature passes a budget, but they're not in charge of negotiating contracts with unions and, and controlling expenses day to day. The governor's office is. So if the governor doesn't control expenses, the legislature is stuck paying for it as those expenses roll up from biennium to biennium. The system built to fail. Well, exactly, and, and what's the uh, what's the answer? I, I think some of the answer is is there's got to be some legislative oversight of collective bargaining in this state, where where um, collective bargaining that's done for state employees uh has to get approved by the you know the, the contracts have to go through the legislature or somehow or another or have some kind of oversight because the governor can be just giving the house away in a three-year contract to SEIU um you know working in in our uh you know department of human services and and you know the legislature just has to deal with it yeah with whatever that expense is when the next biennium rolls around. Assuming the legislature would want to control it, but at least it seems like whoever is controlling the budget purse strings ought to have some ability to control the expense. And I know there's an issue about separation of legislative versus executive powers, but... Um, it's just kind of one of these disconnects, at least at the county level, as the board of commissioners, I adopt our budget, you know, which projects what our revenues are going to be and what our expenses are going to be. And I also negotiate and approve contracts with unions. So I'm going to have to deal with trying to meet that budget. <laughs> if I, if I, if I you know, approve a union contract, that's too fat, you know, so it's um, and you know there's enough there's give and take in the contracting that's controlled by the, the state uh, Oregon's public um, uh, bargaining uh, act, which is just public employee bargaining act, which is incredible, um, tilted towards the the public unions more than it is towards the uh, management <laughs> as it is. So there's already a lot of law around around collective bargaining. You know, this would just be, you know, maybe kind of taking someone and putting it back 
at least trying to tie whoever's got to pay for it to who who approves the contract. Well, is, is the mindset still that uh, in order that when we come up to the fiscal year that we got to spend all the money in our budget so we can increase our budget next year? Yeah, I think there's still some of that in government agencies. Um, and that's part of, you know, where you get into having good auditing. And it's, I'm kind of glad to see Dennis Richardson now in the Secretary of State's office because I think you're going to see some of that good auditing. And we saw some of that in the uh, as they looked at the Oregon Health Plan where they discovered there was a huge percentage of folks that were being uh, allowed to be on the Oregon Health Plan that don't qualify, that they hadn't been vetted by the Oregon, Oregon Health Authority uh, correctly, and in, a, in an audit, it determined I think it was 17% or something that, that incomes higher than the limits to qualify for getting free, you know, insurance and health care from the state, um, and it was worth you know, billions of dollars. So hopefully, uh, Secretary of State Richardson will keep up the good work and kind of hold. Uh, some of those agencies' feet to the fire and kind of embarrassed and publicly maybe about, you know, one of the things he could do is look at some of the, the end of biennium spending of some of these agencies and see if they're uh, suddenly doing a bunch of trainings of employees and trips and, and equipment purchases and whatever else trying to suck up the last of their budget um, rather than letting it roll over into their reserves. Um, you know, that's really... Um, Part of what that audits division with the Secretary of State does, and uh, you know, we talked about that a lot when I had Sid Lighting on when he was running for Secretary of State about what some of those functions are. And uh, good to see somebody in there that I think is really going to hold some of those state agencies' feet to the fire with that audit division. Um, and uh, should be should be interesting. Unlike uh, Brad Avakian, who was threatening to use the audit division against corporations outside of the state agencies, which is uh, not within their power, but he was telling people that was one of the things he was going to do was to audit corporations. Um, so hopefully we'll get some common sense. In when, you, when, you, when you're talking about, uh, just going back to what you saying, you make too much for a program. One of my pet peeves on that is that they always go by the gross amount and, um, you know, gross amount versus actually what you get. Because, you know, when you're in the 30 35% tax bracket, yeah, you could be making $20 or, you know, $15, $20 an hour, but what are you actually getting uh, to take home after all that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, which is one of the things that, you know, um, if we went to a pure sales tax, people would know that whatever they're being offered as a salary is what they're actually going to get to take home. Well, we're getting pretty close to the end of the hour here um, on the Bose Nose Show. And I hope folks um, know that, you know, we're here every Wednesday at 4. Occasionally I have to do a pre-recorded program or, or a repeat because I have a conflicting meeting uh, obligation as a, as a county commissioner, which is my first duty. But my, you know, one of my duties is to try and keep in contact with my constituents, and that's why we do the Bo's Nose Show. So I hope folks will come back, you know, maybe next week at 4 o'clock or the week after and you know, give us a call, and, and uh, we'll talk about what you want to talk about here on the Nose Show. Uh, talked about it, covered a lot of ground here today, everything from sales taxes to uh, immigration and sanctuary to herbicides and roadside spraying, you name it. We covered it here on the Bose News Show today, uh, but I'd love to cover what you want to cover. So hopefully uh, we'll get to that in some other future week. You'll get a hold of us here at the Bose News Show at 646-721-9887. Or email us at talk at krbnradio.net or just find us on Facebook. Um, and I'd love to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Bo's Nose Show. Uh, we'll be back next week at the same time. I don't know if we'll have a guest or not. I haven't had a chance to look to see if there's somebody I want to bring on the show. 
email me if there's somebody you want to bring on the show. Thank you for listening to the Bose Notes. Hopefully, uh, we'll get to hear from you in some future week. Have a great evening and good night from beautiful downtown Eugene, Oregon. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.